0: operators and marketers are completely different types of humans. So trying to run an agency and do both at the same time is a very, very difficult thing to do. Not saying that it's impossible, but it divides yourself, right? Instead of you being able to focus on one thing. I don't mind like giving out the strategy and helping people because I also think that, that, sure, there's millions of people that are using the cold DMs on Instagram and they're using the cold DMs on LinkedIn and they're doing cold email, but everyone's still making money with it. To this day, we still look for veterans and people that used to be in the army to work in our company because they tend to have that drive of of like that self-determining drive of like, I don't need anyone to push me. I'm just here to do my work and I'm going to be able to do it.
1: So if you're an e-commerce agency or freelancer, you just don't want to miss this episode because we teach you about systems and how to really scale up your agency, it's a great episode you do not want to miss. So do stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey everybody, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host Kunle Campbell. The podcast you're about to listen to is a pod or an interview I had with Jack Schubert who is essentially, he's an agency owner and and also a community leader in um, Capital Club. And he also has another sort of agency community. When I started this podcast, I was like, okay, we haven't had anybody in search come on the podcast. And given the fact that he's an agency owner in search, it might be, you know, quite useful for um, you all to listen to like the fundamentals of SEO um, or, um, you know, tips around SEO to help you. Um, essentially, navigate Q four. You know, just do anything. Let's let's just get some housekeeping and let's get some knowledge around um, e commerce. But as the um, unscripted podcast episode, this this podcast episode, by the way, I, I had very very little time for a pre interview. We just went straight and hit hit the record button. It, 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 I first realized that um, it'd be better if as an agency owner you learn from from this chap and because he's he's done phenomenally well with his agency he's grown his agency from 10 to 100 um, you know people headcount a headcount of 10 to 100 in in 18 months so i was like okay there is a lot of success in that story and if you're an e-commerce agency which i know you know a good number of you are this would benefit you um, quite remarkably. So we we delved into Zach's systems, um, his systems from zero to to ten thousand MRR, and um, we we then went into his systems from from ten thousand to fifty thousand, you know, MRR, and then we we went into his systems now with his you know one hundred you know staff um, headcounts. We looked at um, the structure of his agency, the leadership, and why it's so so important to have an operator if if you remember my interview with Jess Chan she talked of, of long play um you know um lo, it long play brand's marketing she she talked about um you know having this um you know um i think it was called um the um an entrepreneur echoes you know operating system or, um, you know it was more an, an an operating system for for running your your agency where you have a visionary or salesperson and marketing head, and then you also have an operator, and, and it, it's it's he didn't say the you know he didn't ma- really make reference to 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 the operating system to the business operating system I like just alluded to, but it was the exact same system where he found someone highly competent from a military background to to really sort out the operations, keep customers happy while he does the hunting. She you know does essentially the farming, so good good episode i enjoyed it thoroughly um but it's exclusively for um e-commerce agencies so founders i'm sorry <laughs> operators i'm sorry this one is more attuned to um you know e-commerce agency owners so enjoy the listen um just keep growing keep growing keep growing that's what this you know, podcast is is all about and yeah i shall catch you on the other side hey Zach a warm welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast it's been a it's been a long time coming i I've really really wanted to jump in to this conversation with you so so a warm welcome appreciate your your presence on here on the pod
0: thank you so much I, I really appreciate your time
1: amazing 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 okay so um before we jump right in because I, I I know you're in the um SEO conversion rate optimization and Amazon marketing space. Mm-hmm. But before we jump into in, into that world, which which everybody's looking forward to to hear, I, I really wanted to get your your backstory kind of like track back to, you know, core defining moments that have sort of made you do what you do today. Um, and you can go as far back as you want, or, you know, as, as close by as you want. Yeah. I just want to get some context as to who Zach is.
0: Yeah. So, uh, funny enough, I grew up in a in a Christian family. Um, so from a very young age, my parents kind of always taught me to um, help people and help others and benefit the world in some way. And so when I was when I was young, I'd I live in. Uh, the California and the U.S. And so I would always go down to Mexico to, to help on these, we would call them little missions trips where we would go and build houses, uh, work in orphanages, different things like that. And from a very, very young age in high school, I was, that was something that was heavily implanted on me. So when I was 17, when I graduated high school, I went immediately to Argentina to learn Spanish and to continue expanding my skills in kind of like the nonprofit world. And that was kind of my goal for my life is, is to be able to help people and to be able to work in that world of nonprofits. Um, kind of long story short, going through that journey, working in a ton of different nonprofits, I always I got frustrated very easily by um, my lack of ability to actually have a big impact and then mm-hmm. also kind of like the lack of control that you have as well. Because one of the things with the nonprofit world, if you're familiar with it at all, is you're kind of at will of what the donor wants from you, right? So mm-hmm. whatever, if they want you to like, hey, you want to go build a well over here? And they're like, no, actually, I want you to go build a school over here. If they're the ones donating to the project, you're kind of at will to do whatever they want. And then also for like the marketing aspect of the nonprofit world, which is what I was mostly involved in, is you're spending kind of like the whole time thinking of angles of how to get more donors and how to get more people in the door. And I was like, well, what about all this good work that we can show people that we're doing and and all the people that we can help by doing this social media? And it was always focused and everyone always kind of had this – to me, it was kind of like this toxic mentality of like, how can we get more money? How can we get more donors? Because the end goal obviously was to help people, but it's it was just a not a very great environment for me. So then I went to try and start a business and start a social enterprise, if you've heard of those, of like where the yeah. business actually helped people through. But we also made money through that um, Once again, long story short, didn't really work out because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And I kind of fell into like this this depression of like, I, I know that I should be doing good. I know that I should be helping people. I just have no idea how to do it and I have no idea how to get there. Um, and so through that process, I actually had a, a struggle with, with drugs in high school. So it was kind of a relapse for me in that time of where I got back into uh, this drug addiction. I was still living in uh, Peru in South America at this time um, and got into some some crazy debt, got into a hard situation situation. Um, that was, was very kind of consuming for me. Right. And I, and I never got to the point where I had like suicidal thoughts or anything like that, because for me, I always knew that there was something in my life that I had to do that would help people. And it would be selfish of me if I did that, if that makes sense. Mm. But I just Mm. had like this deep, overwhelming sense of like not wanting to do anything of just like, Well, boo-hoo me, my life sucks, whatever. Um, And then after a while, I kind of of was just like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how it's going to do, how it's going to be. And I decided that I was going to go back to the original place, the original nonprofit that I went to when I was 17. Because for me, it was kind of comfortable because I had been there before. Um, I knew the people there and it was going to be something easy for me to do. COVID hit. Uh, So then I actually got stuck Mm -hmm. not being able to move back to Argentina. Um, And I was like, okay, well, let me try this freelancing thing. And so that by the time this whole COVID thing is over, I can make some money for myself. And then through that, I'll be able to go out and kind of work and volunteer in whatever nonprofit that I wanted to. And I didn't need to worry about kind of the funds coming in for me because Mm -hmm. I'd be able to earn it elsewhere. Um, COVID lasted longer than we all expected. So as I was building this, uh, freelancing business up, building websites, spending way too much time on things that don't matter, like logos and websites and stuff like that, um, I built up this skill of SEO and then I actually went to work for an agency uh, that did SEO. I worked there for a few months to kind of just learn how it all works, to learn how everything functions. And then I decided, okay, well, why would I just myself do a freelancer? Why can't I I hire some people under me and then I can dedicate 100% of my time? Um, And so that's kind of the process that I went to. Um, And then when COVID was over, I still was kind of anti-capitalist, anti-make-money, like all the money that I'm going to make is going to go towards what I'm doing. Um, And I went to this mastermind in in Mexico from a close friend of mine whose name is uh, Luke Belmar, um, and I went to Mastermind with him. And I was just talking to him, like, "Hey, I have all these things that I want to do. I want to build this nonprofit. I want to do this. I want to do that." Um, and the thing that's holding me back the most is just kind of like the money aspect. And he looked at me. He's like, "Well, why don't you just go build a self-sustaining business? And then with all the money that you make from that, you can fund all the projects and all the stuff that you'd like to do." And then for me, I mean, it seems obvious, but for me, that's like the moment where I like clicked. I was like. Oh, yeah, I can build a business that will then fund all the nonprofits that I want to make rather than having to go out and look for donors or working for someone else's um and so then that's when I really started building and this was two years ago in April more or less um, and that's when I really sat down and started building and two years later, so April of this year. Um, we were a seven figure agency. We have over a hundred employees, um, and we're in the process right now for the past two years, what we've been doing is, uh, donating, a donating a percentage, doing marketing training and marketing services for nonprofits in third world countries. But now we're in the process this year of actually raising funds and building, my own dream and my own nonprofit, which is an education program for, for kids in South America. Um, so that's what we've, that's kind of my journey from all the way to living in a third world country in the middle of nowhere, in debt, all this crazy stuff to, to being able to to get to where I am today.
1: It's, it's a phenomenal story. And, and that's why I really wanted to have you on two years, 100 employees. Mm-hmm. But more importantly... I think it's the core, your drive, you know, the energy, your fuel source. The fuel source that, you know, got in you to the mastermind in the first place, speaking to your mate who sparked the idea for you mm-hmm. to build in out a business and agency and you know, you going with it, you had that energy. There was a huge why. It was not just to go and buy a Ferrari, you know, yeah. it was to help. So, you know, kudos to you, Zach, on on that. Out of curiosity, with your freelance gigs, when you started out as a freelancer prior to setting up an agency, how how did you get your your first few clients? What what did you do?
0: Yeah, so that's actually one of the things that I talk about quite extensively for people that are starting off their their agency from zero. I guess um, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of like starting from zero and then going to someone and say, hey, I'll work for you for free for a case study or a discounted mm-hmm. or a trial. Um, I think that the best way to start is the way that I did it, and I still encourage people to do it. Um, the reason that I say that is because generally generally, if you're saying telling someone, hey, I'll do it for a trial or I will do it for free for a case study, even all referral business that comes in from that person, um, they're generally going to see you at a different light of someone that's not necessarily a professional and someone that's just trying to get by. Um, so it, it makes you look weaker in the mind of the business owner of like, okay, I can have sure. my way with them kind of. Um, whereas if you come with an approach of business with strength and with saying like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what it costs. And this is, then they see you more as an authority and someone that knows what's going on, right? So the way that I did it is I actually went on to to Upwork and I was a freelancer for a very, very short time. It didn't last mm-hmm. very many months because I discovered very quickly that I'm a terrible operator um, mm-hmm. and that I am didn't wasn't very good at managing clients either. Um, so one of the things... That I'll talk about later is, the, is after that mastermind is I went to go look for an operator very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would do is I would go out onto Upwork generally and I would look for someone that, had, that needed SEO services, right? And then I would just submit my application just like a lot, just like any freelancer. But once I discovered after literally the first client that I wasn't a huge fan of actually doing the work and maintaining client relations and all that kind of stuff, I was like, okay, well, how can I still maintain this client and then go out and find more clients and then continue to, to grow this, right, so that I don't have to mm-hmm. do the work? Um, because I knew in my head, I was like, if I'm the one doing the work, then I'm not leveraging anybody And I'm having to do 100% of everything. And eventually, I'm going to hit my top of how much I can do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would literally go out on Upwork, and I'd find freelancers that did SEO, and I'd say, hey, would you like to partner up? How much does it cost to do for you to manage a client every single month? And then they would come back to me and they'd be like, oh, it's $1,000. Would love for you to send me referrals, partnerships, whatever. And I was like, great. So they charge a 1000 bucks. I was like, do you have any case studies? And this is where I would get case studies from. I was like, do you have any case studies that I can showcase to people to show the work that you've done? I'm going to go out and mm-hmm. get leads for us. And they'd be like, yeah, here are my case studies. Here are my reviews. Here's the work that I've done. Here's kind of an explanation of what you can tell people that I've done. And so I would grab that. I would make it look pretty because I knew that I was good at sales. I knew that I was good at yeah. selling. Um, I would make it look pretty. And then I would literally go out to people who wanted SEO and I'd say, I charge 2000 a month. And then half on, of that would be for me. Or or off on Upwork
1: or offline? Same on Upwork. So
0: I'd find the people or, on Upwork uh, that did the work and I, then I'd find the people on Upwork <laughs> that wanted the work. And I'd literally okay. just go back and forth, um, and then I'd just be the middleman of talking to this person. It's almost like glorified affiliate marketing, except I was somewhat managing the client, right?
1: It's arbitrage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Platform arbitrage. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So, if you have been following my journey here on this podcast, you'll know that I'm a co-founder at Octelion a consolidator of digital-first good-for-you CPG brands. We acquire CPG brands with the view of scaling them up. We currently have a portfolio of three brands, all powered by commerce platform Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage startup entrepreneur or IPO-ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control in every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin shits from Shopify's in-person POS or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. I remember the first brand we acquired was running on another platform with quite poor conversions. We made it a point of duty to get it migrated over to Shopify, and our checkout conversions literally doubled. What I love about Shopify is its ease of use. I don't think there's any other e-commerce platform that beats its usability. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify's truly a global force powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Linen, Millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus Shopify's award-winning 24 help is there to support your success every step of the way This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ecommercex2, all lowercase. That is go to shopify.com slash ecommercex2 to take your business to the next level today. That is shopify.com slash ecommercex2 two. Hey 2Xers, I want to take a moment to talk about a service that has made a significant impact on product launches for e-commerce brands. It's called TRED. TRED first hit the market in early 2020 and has since become the go-to financing option for over 500 brands, including big names like Rosum. In just one sentence, Tred can be described as the ultimate solution for purchasing inventory, allowing retailers to sell first and pay suppliers later. As an e-commerce brand owner myself, I can't emphasize enough how helpful Tread has been for our business. Their unsecured funding and credit model, which takes into account the current financial health of a business, has allowed us to access financing without worrying about collateral. We've improved our cash flow by avoiding upfront supplier payments and freeing up funds. This has enabled us to invest in larger orders, expand our product range, and even negotiate supplier discounts. And let me tell you, the flexibility is amazing. Tread offers a pay-as-you-go model with a flat and transparent fee, which means you only use it when you need to. No hidden cost or long-term commitments, just a simple and effective way to manage our inventory financing. The best part, Tread works independently of e-commerce platforms and requires minimal onboarding. It doesn't matter if you're a founder, CEO, CFO, or part of the finance team. Tread can be a game changer for your business. With taglines like sell first, pay suppliers later, and snooze your supplier invoices with Tread, it's clear that Tred is all about empowering businesses like ours to import the goods we need now, while handling the invoice and allowing us to pay up to 120 days later. So, if you're in the e-commerce space and looking for a smart, flexible financing solution, I highly recommend giving Tred a try. Visit their website on t r e y d dot That's t r e yd.io to learn more and get started today now let's get back to the show that's that that's very very interesting and um it's 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 kind of like nostalgic for for me it it brings some some memories with me because um I enjoyed selling, you know, I I enjoyed closing. I was like, oh, I'm going to make so much money when, when I used to consult or, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but my heart was very heavy when I had to reckon with the responsibility of, of, of managing that client. I, I listened to rap music and I remember there's this, um, there's this, there's this, there's this quote, or would it, what I call it a quote, is a bar, which is like, um, what are the pros and cons of this check? Uh-huh. <laughs> like I've got, I've got a check, right? You know, and you've you've got to weigh it, you know, as an individual, whether it's going to sort of weigh you down from a time perspective. Um, but you, you have mentioned something um, which which I found very interesting, which is like self mastery. You knew you were a terrible operator. Mm-hmm. And so you've gone on to find an operator do you want to sort of speak to 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 that point like because um yeah I, I found that really interesting
0: yeah so I went I went to my network to try and look for an operator because I knew that I didn't want to manage people that I just wanted to focus on like the marketing aspect of positioning us of working on my personal brand of figuring out how to get leads because I knew that if we were going to grow at a rapid rate that there would be n- Someone that needs to dedicate themselves specifically to creating and getting customers, and then someone that just needs to fulfill them, right? To actually mm-hmm. help them and grow the team. Um, and I also know that people have certain certain skills, right? Like operators and marketers are completely different types of humans so trying to run an agency and do both at the same time is a very very difficult thing to do not saying that it's impossible but it divides yourself right instead Mm -hmm. of you being Mm -hmm. able to focus on one thing Mm -hmm. so i i went around kind of in my network i had a a quite a few failures of operators that i brought in that didn't end up working out in the end i got lucky um, after about a year of doing this so Interestingly enough, I mean, you I mentioned that there was a growth of of a hun- up to a hundred employees in in April, but that didn't actually start happening until two thousand and twenty two of January. Um, I was at about maybe ten employees, two thousand and two of January. And that's when I got lucky. My sister had retired from the army and I was, and she was like, Hey, do you need any help with anything? And I was like, sure, you can appointment set for me or whatever. And then eventually she got more and more involved. I noticed that, I mean, obviously she's incredibly competent. I noticed that she got was getting more involved and I was like, Hey, do you want to just, partner up with me and you can just run the whole team and like she was understand she understood how it was working she worked as an account manager for a while she was like yeah sure let's do this and we were small at that time so she she had no idea of like what it was going to go to ne- neither did i um, and we were just like, yeah, let's let's just run it up and see what happens. And so from January 22 until April uh, 23, that's when we grew from 10 to 100 employees in that short amount of time. And the fact of the matter is I got lucky because I'm related to her and we work well, which doesn't always, Work with siblings, um, but she is an incredible operator, and so then I would just be able to go and focus 100% of my attention on how do we get more clients, and that's when hmm. I was able to come up with like the strategy that we did that helped us grow so quickly.
1: Okay, so just to clarify right now um, to the audience, I was going to start this conversation. I had the idea. I had the, <laughs> my idea of this conversation was that we're going to go down and speak about SEO. PPC and Amazon, but you know what? For our agency, e-commerce agency audience today, today's your lucky day. Um, we're going to speak to how to build out an e-commerce, you know, agency or an agency that serves the e-commerce market. Are you okay with that, Zach?
0: Yeah, or? let's jump into it.
1: <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So you 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 you're a bit humble with your with the comment you made about your sister. First you you were searching for an operator, you had failures. And then Many. you found what you are looking for. Yes, you're lucky that she's your sibling. Fair uh-huh. enough. And you could work with her. But um, the army or military precision, um, how has that... I, I can't I can't imagine how did she create structure for you? Did she lend um some military principles in in just operating and taking care of clients? Just p- putting things where they should be and having that self-accountability because that's what the military is all about. Right. It's all about self-accountability and discipline, right?
0: Yeah, and she was she was a captain in the army, so she had hundreds of people under her while she was in the army. Mm-hmm. Um and then she's an overachiever like me. Um, so she always goes above and beyond, which is, which is a quality obviously that I that I look for in employees of not just doing what you're told, but also. Like, hey, what else can I do? Oh, this needs to be done. Let me go do it, right? So she is, she was one of those people as well that she came in for appointment setting, but then she was like, oh, can I do this also? I see that this needs to be done, and so then I was like, okay, well, not only is she like more invested in it and not just trying to like lend a hand and help me out as a good sister, but she's like actually interested in the business, and then Mm -hmm. she was able to kind of bring that order and that discipline to the employees as well and to the team and that structure Mm -hmm. of being like, hey, we show up on time. Time. We do things the best that we possibly can. You're, and especially since we're a completely remote company, uh, like you're responsible for your time. But you answered with results type thing. Right. And that's, I feel like that's very similar to the army, especially when you're going out on different missions and different things like that. Um, but I think that was a huge role in it. And to this day, we still look for veterans and people that used to be in the army to work in our company because they tend to have that drive of, of like that self determining drive of like, I don't need anyone to push me. I'm just here to do my work and I'm going to be able to mm. do it type thing.
1: Mm interesting super super interesting yeah so in in a span of 16 to 17 months you you grew 10x um, mm-hmm. from a headcount standpoint that in of itself poses a lot of challenges um, from your your just your, your org chat um, so, so how has the chain of command sort of changed um, at this point in time one and is your entire workforce um you said it's remote. It's it's distributed. Is it is are they all are all your members of staff based in the U.S. or are they worldwide? How what what is yeah you know, keen to, to find out? Yeah,
0: so mostly tons of people in the U.S. So mostly U.S. Um, mm-hmm. And then we do have a lot of our clients that come from Australia and from um, and from Europe. So we have quite a few people there as well, so that they can kind of work on their time zone.
1: Okay, okay, and then. How's the chain of command change? You know, with with ten, you know everybody's name. With one hundred, I don't think you know every employee's name. Um, no. And, and what what is the structure? From your sister is um you know um C O O, she's mm-hmm. the operator. Um, anybody under her, how do you sort of delegate? And uh, she's certainly not managing one hundred people directly. I know no. she used to in the army, but um yeah, business is slightly different, right?
0: Yeah, she has her directors so we have director of Amazon, director of SEO and then below the directors they have kind of their their uh, their assistants that helps them out but then they all we also have account managers and then the account managers are the ones that are responsible for kind of that same arbitrage technique that I would use where they would they're the ones managing, talking to the clients, telling them everything that's being done. But then, they're communicating to the people that are actually doing the work, right? So it's okay. still, still kind of that arbitrage of, they're kind of still being a middleman for us.
1: So when you arbitrage, um, do you have, do do you have like your own standard operating procedures, which your, which which the people you you outsource or you work with. Um, must adhere to or do you just rely on outcomes you know just this is what we want we don't care how you do it just deliver or do you say this is what we want and this is how we
0: do it so a little bit of both um obviously there is a there we have figured out kind of like the systems and what it requires to get the results that we get um one of the things that we were able to grow the reasons that we were able to grow is because we came up And we figured out how to do SEO faster, right? The Amazon Hmm. is something relatively new. We just acquired that agency recently. Um, But with SEO, that's what we grew with. And the reason that we were able to figure it out is because we figured out how to do it faster than anyone else, right? So if you Google how long does SEO take, the internet will tell you, well, it takes six to 12 months to get results. We have a three-month guarantee with our service. Um, And the reason that we were able to figure that out is because SEO is more or less all about manpower nowadays. Um, It's about getting social proof, getting backlinks, creating content, all that kind of stuff. We can dive into that a little bit. But it's mostly like if you have tons of people working on it simultaneously and quickly, you can get it done faster. So that's what we were able to figure out. Um, so we kind of know like the systems and what goes, what has to go in order of like, hey, when someone comes on, this is the checklist of everything that needs to be done. But then we also expect results from the account managers, right? So if those things might not necessarily cut it, then yes, they are required to kind of go above and beyond, or or expected to kind of go above and beyond, um, mm-hmm. because it's also. The bonus structure that we have of like, hey, and then how many clients we're giving them as well too, right? So if Mm. we're seeing that they're not performing as well, then we won't assign them as many clients, right? And Mm. so that's one of the things that's a big motivator for them. We keep the account managers specifically on; um, it's not commission strictly, but we pay them per account that they manage, right? So if they're managing ten accounts, they make X amount of dollars. If they're making twenty accounts, if they're managing twenty accounts, they make twice as much, right? Um, mm-hmm. so the, that helps to keep them motivated as far as like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do the best work possible so that I can get as many clients as I can. But then also if like, we see that they're not doing well, we can take clients away from them and then they're like, Oh, okay, well I need to get, I need to get my crap together and get working.
1: Mm-hmm. I really like this because you've multiplied yourself essentially, but, um, in, in a hierarchical, you know, manner where there's, you know, it's, it's ground up essentially mm-hmm. with, 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 all the account managers being you four years ago fascinating fascinating stuff okay so all of this would not be possible um in terms of like the operations and you know actually running you know this this number of people if you are not bringing in the leads which which is the toughest part in in agency work there's so much noise out there there's um, a lot of people are fighting for attention. You just need to go to um, to, to Twitter, for instance, or mm-hmm. whatever it's called, uh, x.com, and, <laughs> and just see the D2C hashtag. And there's so much noise, people having their, their case studies, people just, even founders, ex-founders who've exited for yeah. for eight figures are still trying to be relevant. So h- how, do you, how do you just set yourself apart, you know, um, caught across that noise Gain attention, gain trust, get leads, convert the leads. So your funnel must be must be really, really interesting. Do you want to shed some light on that, please?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is this is kind of the step that I generally recommend people to take. So taking that Upwork approach all the way until you're at around like 10k MRR at least, till you have some cash in the bank. Um, and then what I did from there is I went to I went to Instagram on my personal profile and I begin to build, build out content. I know I'm terrible at short form content, so I quit it a long time ago, but I started off building out content, never really got any traction or following from it. All of the following that I have right now is from paid ads and then through my network, I'll I'll jump into that in a little bit. But the process that I would recommend people to go to after they have about 10K in the bank, they have some extra money, is what we would do is we would go out and we would um, do cold DMs. But we wouldn't do cold DMs like people do now. What we do is everything would be very, very personalized, right? So if I was looking for... I don't know, a beef jerky brand that we wanted to do marketing for, whether it was SEO, social media marketing, paid ads, Amazon, whatever it was. You can also do this on LinkedIn. You can also do this on on Twitter, wherever you'd like. But what we would do is we would go and start and try and build conversations with these people. So we would message them and be like, oh, hey, I noticed that you just had a new photo shoot with your newest flavor. Uh, Mm -hmm. How did that go? Or just kind of building a conversation with them. Whereas most cold DMs nowadays, nowadays, if you're on LinkedIn or on Instagram, you're getting cold DMs right away that are like, hey, this is my service. This is what I do. Hire me, right? Or even people will go like, hey, I've been watching your content. It's the best content I've ever seen. Would you like me to do this for you, right? Like they're always pitching their stuff immediately. Whereas what we would try and do is we would build rapport with them. We would build this rapport of of having basic conversation, not kind of not tricking them and thinking that we're going to buy their product, but building this relationship of like, oh, and how do you ship internationally? How long have you been in business for? What have kind of been your biggest bottlenecks? And then at the end of this conversation, we'd be like, well... I've actually looked through whatever you're doing. For us, it was website. I've looked through your website, and I've noticed a bunch of different things with your SEO. I'd love to jump on a call and give you a free audit of everything that we see. Now, there's And we would tell them, there's not going to be any awkward sales pauses. This is something that we can do for 100% for free because we make money on the front end with our marketing agency, and we would just like to help out brands. And so then they'd be like, fantastic, let's jump on a call, they would schedule a call with us. And then we have them in front of us on a zoom call. And we're able to walk through every single part of their website and what's missing and what isn't good and what needs improvement. And then we even tell them how they can they can do it themselves. That's kind of one of the kickers with SEO, though, is that you need tons of people to do it if you want it to be done correctly. Um, So we would go through it all, and then 80% of the people at the end of this extensive audit call that would be about an hour long, they would ask us, great, well, how much does this cost for you to do it for me? And the reason that they would ask this is because, one, we've told them all the issues that they have on their site. And then, two, we've made ourselves the authority because we told them what was wrong, and then we also told them how to fix it. And so big business owners are thinking, I don't have time to do this. You're sitting in front of me. You do know how to do this, and you're already on a call with me. So then we would be like, yeah, here's our pricing. This is how we can do it for you. And that's how we got all the way up to around 50, 50K MRR, more or less, right? And so that's the process that we went kind of in the in the baby steps. And during this time, I was also creating content. Um, now what I recommend people doing to their Instagram, if they're not good at short form content or they don't like doing it, I recommend people, um, People just creating your page as it's as if it's a landing page, right? So maybe only having 12 posts on there, but it having like, this is who I am, this is the service that I do, like just as if you're going onto your website or a landing page to be able to showcase your work and who you are, right? And that's what I would generally recommend people to do now if you don't want to do the content game. I do not like creating the short form content. So that's kind of the model that I shifted to after about a year of doing content. Um, but that's kind of the cold way to start off and get cash in. Then after that, what I recommend people do once they have some cash in the bank to pivot to paid ads. And this is this is kind of where our bread and butter came of where we were able to uh, 10x incredibly quickly through this paid strategy. And so now that we have our our Instagram laid out as a landing page, and now that we have some kind of rapport with businesses, case studies, different things like that, you're posting stories consistently so people see who you are. They're able to identify you. This is all on your personal Instagram. This is not a company Instagram. Um, you're, able, you're posting stories so people can see your lifestyle, the things that you're into so that they can identify with you so that you can kind of build that community inside your stories. Um, and then from there, what we do is we run DM ads on Facebook, right? And so we're only running ads to direct messages. And the reason that we're doing that is because one, I'm not a fan of the VSL model. I think it's, um, I think it's harder to do. I think it, um, I think there's a lot of variables that go into it, and then it's more expensive on a Facebook point of view because you're paying Facebook to take them off their platform, basically. Whereas if you're doing DM ads, they're cheaper because everything stays inside of Facebook's ecosystem and they're happy with that. Um, But also, I think the other reason is that us as marketers, we kind of know that everyone kind of has like a cookie cutter solution. Like I told you, when I bring a client in, we have a checklist that we go through. And once we do that, everyone's successful, right? But people Especially business owners think that their problems are unique and that they require a unique solution. So I like the DM ads as well because then that gives us a chance to once again build rapport with them, ask them about their business, and then position ourselves as the solution for their issue. So as we go deeper into the funnel, then we're creating these DM, ad- these DM ads. And one of the things, again, that I didn't like at the beginning is I didn't want to be the face of all the ads. And I didn't want them to be like this video style of me talking through case studies or whatever. Because in that case, then the business would rely on me for growth and rely on me to have to make all those creatives and test all those creatives. Um, so what we started doing is testing static images instead. And what we actually run to this day after lots of trial and error and spending a lot of money is what our ads literally consists of now is a Shopify screenshot of the dashboard and then with text laid over it from the Instagram editor, nothing professional. And the reason that we don't want it to look professional is because one, our hook is the Shopify screenshot. Anyone that's an e-commerce brand owner looks at that screenshot every single morning when they wake up. Right. So they immediately recognize it. And we use the Instagram text, the Instagram story text, so that it looks native to the platform and that people don't immediately click away thinking it's an ad. Right. So then they read through our text. And at the bottom, it just gives them a call to action to send us a DM. So that's how mm-hmm. we're getting all of our leads currently.
1: So that's a lot to take in. It um, is. It's a lot to to take in. It's a lot to take in. You 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 started out with um, with speaking to the hand to hand combat. You initially you know had to, to 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 undertake moving your agency from ten to fifty k, which which to me is still blue ocean. Which is finding. Mm-hmm. Did you find founders of of these agencies or? Did you just go to the to the Facebook um, to the to the IG um, pages for the brands? Were you speaking to the brand or were you speaking to the brand founder?
0: We would try and find brand founders, but on Instagram that's harder. So we would mostly speak to brands. That I guess would be a benefit of doing LinkedIn is that LinkedIn you, you it is easier to find the founders.
1: Okay, and then what was the take rate? Because not every founder. Like, like, I don't look at um, the, the IGDMs <laughs> and the brands that we, you know, we, we manage um, only when, you know, stuff has been put to my attention. So, so how do you sort of cut through those gatekeepers, so, so to speak, on, on Instagram?
0: Well, the one thing was that, one, we were kind of just building rapport with them, asking questions about their business, and so then they trusted us more. And then we were just offering something for free. That True. there was no strings attached to, so they're like, oh, sure, I'll ask my boss if he's interested in this, right? So mm-hmm. it did require a lot of DMs. That's why I do recommend people, once they have money for ads, inbound is so much easier when you have people mm-hmm. coming to you, asking you for for help. It's so much easier, and we don't even do the audits anymore because of that. Um mm-hmm. But inbound is significantly easier because then we're actually getting people coming in and asking us for help. But when you're doing outbound, it's just a ton of reps, right? And so that's when I would hire appointment setters that would make money based on commission. So Mm -hmm. that's where I was able to get mass volume. I have four appointment setters that work 24-7 on my Instagram account. And what they would just go out and do is just send out DMs. Every mm-hmm. time they would find someone, and it would all be customized, and they'd be chatting with them, they'd be having conversations, and then that once again disconnects to, disconnected me from the process of actually going out and finding these leads. Yeah. And I was just yeah. doing the audit calls at that time. Then eventually, yeah. I got someone to do the audit calls also.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so over the last thirty minutes of speaking with you, what I've gathered is the your your relentless um, just. Means of leveraging off people, you know, mm-hmm. off other people's skills, um, to 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 get the outcome of your cause, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you're you're trying to 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 achieve. Which, which a lot of people don't do. We a lot of us are, are control freaks. We want to yeah. manage and see and do everything in the process in the system. But it's a system for, it's a system for that reason because you yeah. need to plug people and processes in, right? So, so that's super interesting. Another question I had was around the: Has the the typical profile of the the client of your ideal client changed over time um, from your 10k days to your 50k days? What's your M- MRR, by the way, which is monthly recurring revenue?
0: So, so the pro, how, what the profile, how the profile changed of which clients we were going after. We yes, were, has has we it were changed as, as, as changed. for for anything? We were just going after whatever, right? And that has its pros and cons. Like the pro is you kind of just need to get cash in the bank, you need to get things rocking, but the con is that you end up working with people that you don't necessarily want to, right? But I think every agency owner needs to go through that because you don't know who you should work with until you've worked with them, right? I think Mm -hmm. everyone has kind of like their own profile of like, ooh, every time I see this kind of client, I know that it's never going to work. Um, like as kind of a qualifier, we're only working with brands that are doing over a million a year now, right? So Mm -hmm. a million or 2 million, it has to be somewhere over that. And then we also want to identify with, with the brand and, and like what they're doing, right? So it has to align Mm -hmm. with, with our morals and our mission and our vision. We're not just going to go after any, any kind of brand that sells anything just because, um, just because it makes money. And I'll give you an example for that. One of the things that I'm obviously against is, is marijuana consumption. So mm-hmm. because of part of my history. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the things that we never worked with in SEO was uh, dispensaries, which are huge in the US. And mm-hmm. they're only, the only way that they can market is through SEO, right? So it has to align with your morals, obviously, and that changes for everyone and what you're interested in doing or what your, mm-hmm. um, what your standards are. Uh, And then from there, the other thing that we're looking for is things that are good in SEO. Like, for example, a clothing brand is not great in SEO unless they have some some very, very specific niche. But you're Mm -hmm. not going to rank for t-shirt, right? So we're not going to go after generic clothing brands um, or different things like that that have keywords that are very generic and competition is too high, like running shoes almost impossible to rank for, right? Like you're not going to get past Mm -hmm, Adidas, mm -hmm. Nike, Fila, all these different companies. So there's no point in doing SEO for certain companies like that. Um, So that's kind of one of the things that we look for now. We're able to be more picky and choosy. But I think at the beginning, it's kind of like one of those things where you're like, I kind of just need cash in the bank. And I need to also figure out what my ideal client profile is. And you don't know what that is until you have a bunch of clients that you don't like. (laughs)
1: Correct. 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 Uh, that makes a, a lot of sense. It was, and that, that, that kind of like, um, you know, chimes in with, with my journey. So, so initially, you know, I, I you know, I told you earlier on, I, I was into search very early on in my career and, um, I was, I was essentially doing it for any and everybody. So there was lead gen, uh, there was, um, there was e-commerce and, um, someone even with a website hosting company, you know, mm-hmm. wo- wo- I worked with a, with a website, but, I quickly realized that I wanted to work with. First of all, I was more appreciated by e-commerce clients, and so I just gravitated towards e-commerce. And um, yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been it was really really good at the time. So it's a really really good decision. Okay, so um, it's it's all well and good. So so you have this system, you know, of of. Uh, so I I now understand the the way you generate leads, the way you convert. Um, is, is this applicable to other agencies? Because you're in a blue ocean right now, whereby not many agencies are using Instagram DMs, you know, advertising via, exclusively via, via Instagram DMs like you are. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you're seeing it out in public, a lot of 2x e-commerce listeners who are on agencies are going to do just that. What happens, and how do you sort of distinguish, you know, yourself? How do you create a niche? Because you don't want, yeah. How how would you, how how would you suggest, you know, people sort of differentiate themselves? Because it would now be like email, eventually, not necessarily like email, but it could be, you know, like WhatsApp messaging or, or what have you.
0: Yeah. So I mean, there are a lot of people that are using this strategy. I'm not worried about it getting saturated. One because I know that not many people are doing it for SEO specifically, um, just because I know my audience. Um, because mm-hmm. I have I have a community of about 2,000 agencies too that are testing out this strategy, and then I've spoken mm-hmm. at events using this teaching this exact framework so there are a lot of people out there that are using it but i'm not worried just because i know that i have a robust team that's doing it right so i have two different media buyers people that are creating all the creatives and we're testing hundreds and hundreds of creatives and we're testing thousands of dollars a day right so if people are doing it that's perfectly fine but you're competing against me right like you're not competing against just I'm going to be able to outspend you. I'm going to be able to create more creatives than you are. Um, So it's going to be different for me um, as far as, so it does, I don't mind like giving out the strategy and helping people because I also think that, that sure, there's millions of people that are using the cold DMs on Instagram and they're using the cold DMs on LinkedIn and they're doing cold email, but everyone's still making money with it, right? So for me, mm-hmm. it's not like, a, oh, I'm going to lose a piece of my pie. Like the pie is billions of people and I'm happy with a few million of it, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's a, I think I, I don't have that issue. And it would be the information that I wish that I had when I started off. So I have no problem giving it out to.
1: Amazing, amazing, amazing. You mentioned you acquired an Amazon agency. Do you want mm-hmm. to just speak to to why you did it and, and, and then the how, how how you, you came about doing the acquisition?
0: Yeah, so um, I went through that process because I was looking for something that uh, was trendier right now and that got results quicker, right? So if you know about SEO, SEO generally takes some time. We talked about that a little bit. Um, It takes some time to get results for people. And because of that, some people don't always understand the vision of why to do SEO. So our churn rate can be faster sometimes for certain clients. Mm. Whereas if you have an ads agency or if you have Google ads or if you have Facebook ads or if you have Amazon or whatever, you're able to bring a good amount of money into the business quickly, and then they see your value quicker. Um, the other reason is because it was a compliment to what we're doing on SEO, right? So what, for a lot of our clients, when we rank them for very competitive keywords, we always notice that along with our client's website, Amazon is always there, right? Like Amazon is always ranking for those keywords. So we're like, okay, well, why don't, instead of trying to compete against Amazon, we could do Amazon as well. So then we're able to absorb hundred percent of the traffic rather than just the 50% that we'd be able to absorb before. Cause more than 50% of e-commerce purchases actually happen on Google, but 50% of people in America last year actually bought on, bought things on Amazon, right? So mm-hmm. everyone's going to Google to search, but more than half of those people are going to Amazon to actually do the purchasing. So for mm-hmm. us, it was a no-brainer of, okay, well, let's try and get all the traffic that we possibly can for our clients and make sure that we're not missing any of it. And then Amazon, I think, is just around to stay for a long time. Um, and it's something that brands don't necessarily know how to do, and it's not a super saturated niche right now, as far as mm-hmm. marketing agencies go. Um, so I think it's very valuable for brands to be on Amazon, and if they don't know how to do it, then that's kind of what we're here for, of being able to get people on there, being able to help them with their marketing, um, because it's it's kind of foolish not to be on a platform where more than half of every purchase on the internet is happening on that platform.
1: Mm. Mm, okay makes sense makes sense you're um you're a member of Capital Club um yeah. which which is huge on, on on YouTube do you want to speak to, to Capital Plog Club <laughs> so as a plog club uh, and and why you you decided to join you know the the, the network
0: yeah, so the the uh, founder of Capital Club is Luke Belmar, who has been my friend since I was 17. Met him when he was about 15 in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've known him forever. Um, and then that was the mastermind that I went to originally back two years ago. I went to his very, very first mastermind in Mexico. There was just 12 of us. It was a very small, intimate uh, mastermind. It was right when he was getting started. So then mm-hmm. I've been with... That group from the beginning. One of the most important things that I that I attest to my success is that, um, and the thing that I always tell people is that the the way that you can become successful faster is uh, your network, the people that you're that you're with, that you're able to that you're able to identify with, that you're able to grow with, but then also the access to the information that you have. And the thing for me is Capital Club was access to an incredible network which was made me privy to the right information that I needed to grow my business, right? Um, So besides the fact that I'm very good friends with Luke, I've been a supporter from day one because it it was something that helped me immensely in creating my business and literally taking it from zero to the seven figure mark that we're at now, right? And so mm-hmm. I've, I'm now part of the, the leadership on Capital Club. I'm a partner with them, and I'm mm-hmm. actually in charge of the, the agency. Uh, it has every single niche inside of it. So it has a niche for e for for dropshipping, for SaaS, for info products. And then I'm in charge of the, the agency side of it once it actually launches here um, in summer, which we're coming to the end of that. So it's, it's going to be launching shortly. And then I also speak at all the
1: events. Interesting. Um, yeah. Is Capital Club, uh, what's a membership like? Is it typically North American or um, is it global?
0: Global, right? So actually, I would say more than half are European even. Um, so mm-hmm. it is it is incredibly global. Um The membership currently there there hasn't been an opportunity for open enrollment as far as like anyone in the world can join not until this this end of the summer and once it opens the platform will be the platform and the community will be a dollar a day right so it'll be three hundred sixty nine bucks a year Um, but previously the only access that people had to it was the masterminds and the masterminds were fifteen thousand so and there were only about fifty people that were allowed to at the mastermind. Mm -hmm. So it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a much smaller group for those that are current members. There's probably only about 300 total. Um, and then once the community opens right now, we currently have a waiting list of over a hundred thousand people that are going to come out to the platform. Mm
1: -hmm. It's also a filtering mechanism when you, you know, you prize a a mastermind, Mm -hmm. you know, at certain, you know, um, a certain price points because um it just brings a certain calibre of um you know um, net worth a hundred percent around. So so super, super interesting. I, I I was looking at the YouTube, it's it's really blown up and yeah, I, I watched a few interviews on there. So it's a really good stuff. Um so yeah, I'll link to it in the in the show notes. Okay. We before I by I, I we, we depart or we close this off, I, I have some, some quick just um, some some rapid um, you know fire questions um, for you, and, and they're not my standard rapid fire questions. Um, ready when you are.
0: Go for it. I'm ready.
1: <laughs> all right. So, how do you rank a store on on Google in in three months or less?
0: Yeah. So the way that we do that is we we break SEO up into three different pillars. First pillar is on site, so it's all the optimizing your code, meta tags, meta tags. Uh, your image, your image optimization, if you have videos on there, et cetera, making your page speed faster. Those are kind of like the things that Google asks you in their algorithm in order to kind of like appease Google's algorithm. Back in the day, like especially probably when you were doing search, that would be the only thing you'd really need to do to rank. But nowadays it doesn't have much of an influence. And the reason for that being is the rise in social media. Uh, The two most important things, which are also the last two pillars is content creation, which is landing pages, blogs, Etc. And then uh, backlinking. And backlinking is virtually just when another site mentions your site and hyperlinks you on there. Generally, they're blogs. So, like, if you have a mom's blog that's talking about snacks to bring to a park, I would try and get my client that sells beef jerky on that snack page so that tea would be mentioned in there. Now, that doesn't necessarily bring you the traffic from there, but it shows Google that people are talking about you, right? And the more people talk about you, the more Google says, oh, that you have what we call domain authority um, or social proof, what I call it. Um, that social proof of like people are actually conversing about you and talking about you. The more social proof you have, the higher you're going to rank on Google for the keywords words that you're putting inside that content that you're writing. Um, and so the main idea of how we do it quickly is, unfortunately, for people that are listening, is manpower. We just have seven people working on a website simultaneously. So we're able to do that faster than anyone else.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. How do you increase conversion rates on an Amazon listing?
0: on an Amazon listing the best thing that you can do and the first thing that everyone should do is their front image. So that first image that you see, that's the most impactful image to creating conversions and to increasing conversions on a page. If you go up and the picture is very bland, it doesn't have They need to be descriptive as well. For example, if you're selling a supplement and it's a three-pack, it needs to say on the image that it's a three-pack. It needs to display the three flavors. It It needs to be very descriptive because a lot of people are just scrolling through Amazon looking at those pictures. So we've had clients that have come in, had us change their front image and then we increase their conversion by over 150% just immediately because of just changing that front image. There's also other things that you can do like with the bullet points and through the description of the item and creating and adding videos here and there. But the most impactful thing that we constantly see as far as conversion rate goes is that front image. Mm.
1: Okay, marketing or branding, choose one and why?
0: Ooh, that's that's a saucy one, marketing or branding. Um, I mean, I guess you can't live without both, but I am, I am a marketer, so I would pick marketing, right? Like branding isn't my expertise. I think that branding has its value because if you're able to brand something correctly, then you travel via word of mouth, but word of mouth, at least as what I've learned from agencies is that it, it peters out pretty quickly. Um like you can only get as 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 far as I've seen, the biggest agencies that I've seen that have growed from word of grown from word of mouth, they generally kind of plateau a little bit where they kind of stop the growth. Um mm-hmm. and so I would I would say marketing because even if you have a bad brand, you can market it to a very, very high level if you do it well.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense, makes sense. Who has been your most meaningful business contact in the last five years? Luke Belmar. Amazing. And finally, what's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's given you the biggest feedback.
0: The biggest setback that I've had. um, I think the biggest setback that I've had is the realization that if you want to have Impact in the world, and if you want to be able to help people, you need to be good yourself. Um, And the reason that I say this is because you can't fill up someone else's cup if your cup is empty. Um, Hmm. So, working in your personal development and working on your health, working on your mental health, is something that's incredibly important to do because an empty cup can't fill anyone, it can't help anyone. You can't impact people if you yourself are not right. So that was one of the biggest setbacks for me was not being good myself because then that limited the amount of impact that I could have on other people and the amount of personal growth and therefore professional growth that I could have. So that's the biggest lesson that I learned very, very early on, even before scaling my agency, is that year that I spent looking for a partner and looking for an operator, I also spent optimizing my health, optimizing my mental health, learning, um, because I didn't want to end up like one of those entrepreneurs that discovered success. Uh, They were 35, losing their hair, overweight, out of shape, uh, their mental health was a disaster. They were going to therapy, and I didn't. I saw a lot of my friends or a lot of peers that were like that after they had sold their agency or or whatever they had sold or whatever success they had achieved. And I told myself, okay, well, why don't I just optimize my health now, in order to be able to get to that that side or that uh, level? Because I saw myself previously in depression and and in and in drug use and different things like that, where I was like. Not able to help people and not able to fill people up. So that was one of the biggest things is like, when I saw myself empty, I saw myself unable to fill other people. So that was that's something that's always important for me to do is make sure that I myself am full so that I can then fill up other people.
1: Absolutely wise 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 words. you you've got to be selfish to be selfless mm-hmm. you know um so so I always say first thing in the morning you know do something that 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 benefits you you know um in the positive and I'm not talking about just eat 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 I'm yeah. talking about whether it's you know um something spiritual whether it's something um physical you know um get get optimal before you can help others you know and it's just 100%. so important, so important to me. Zach, Mr. Zach Schubert, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Now, for people who want to find out more about all you're doing in in Kara Marketing um, Capital Club, um, I'm going to link to it to 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 to, to, to your um, to, to your agency on on, on the show notes. Um, are you active on any social media platforms?
0: Yeah, they can find me on, on Instagram. I'm active on Instagram just recently starting up, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube as well. So they can find me mm-hmm. as well just by searching my name, but Instagram, I'm probably the most active on as far as like personal life and different things like that for care mm-hmm. marketing. That's where you're going to find help if you have, uh, an econ brand. So either with Amazon or SEO, um, I'd, I'd love to do an audit for you and help you out and see what we can do. Um, and then if you're an agency, we actually, I actually have a, an agency community called the agency domain and that you can find uh, the link inside my bio. And then eventually once Capital Club launches, um, then you'll be able to ha- get access to that as well through through a link in my bio.
1: Thank you so much. Thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I didn't know where it was going, so it was unscripted. <laughs> and yeah, um, I really like that. So cheers. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time.